Okay, it was happening pre-pandemic, but since the pandemic, the use of virtual family doctor visits has certainly exploded. But are they here to stay? Let's ask Dr. Brett Belchitz, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hey, doctor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here as always. And first off, full disclosure, you are one of the founders of Maple Medical, which does provide virtual health care. So, Brett, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, you're in favor. Uh, absolutely. I, I would say that is, that is not too long of a limb to go out on. Um, I'm a huge proponent of virtual healthcare, and And really, this was influenced by my medical practice. And that's why I got involved in virtual healthcare in the first place. If I go back in time to, to my career working in the emergency room before getting involved in virtual healthcare, one of the things that really struck me about our healthcare system was how many of the people that I saw waiting eight hours or more to see me in the emergency room had very straightforward concerns that I easily could have addressed through a phone call or a video chat. And it just seemed so unnecessary to put people through that kind of an experience, something that was so disruptive to their lives. Uh, you know, they would lose wages from not going to work. They would potentially pick up other illnesses in the waiting room, et cetera. It, it was just such an unnecessary thing when we had the available manpower of physicians who could jump onto phone calls and video calls to help them. And so I'm, I don't think any of that has changed. There still is a shortage for many patients have access to in-person care. And so certainly virtual fills a really important gap that exists for most people out in our communities. Okay, so you were you know, kind of ahead of the curve on this. Are you surprised by just how much this has exploded during the pandemic? I mean, it became a necessity, really, virtual healthcare, particularly when nobody was, you know, never mind going to the doctor, they weren't even going to work, going to their own office. So it became a bit of a necessity. But have you been surprised by just the explosion? I am and I'm not. Uh, you know, if you go back to some of the statistics that existed before the pandemic, there were parts of the world that were effectively practicing virtual healthcare, and there were parts that were not. So here in Ontario, where we're located, and in Canada in general, we were not very good at practicing virtual healthcare. Less than 1% of our physician visits across Canada were virtual before the pandemic. But if you looked at other places, and the example I always like to quote is Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the world's largest hospital systems. And they, they, they practice across the United States, and they have about 10 million patients. Prior to the pandemic, they were doing about 50% of all of their medical visits virtually. So they had already proven that this worked. And when you looked at the stats from the work that they were doing before the pandemic, uh, what they saw was that there was no problems with accuracy of diagnosis. Uh, the patients were really happy. The providers were really happy. Uh, everything about it was, was going quite well. And so we, we have lots of documentary evidence. But when the pandemic struck, what was, what was incredible to see is that not only did we hit that 50% threshold, but in April of 2020, 70% of all visits done in Canada were done virtually. So I was surprised that we were so able to surpass even the best practice numbers that had ever been seen before. So absolutely, I think it's here to stay in, in, in very significant numbers, but I'm not sure that that 70% is something that we're going to be able to sustain. Okay, well, it was maybe a bit of a necessity during the pandemic, and you've just kind of touched on this. Should virtual health care and uh, virtual family doctor visits, should they continue on into the future? Is there any concern at all that something may be missed that uh, when you're meeting vir virtually that you might have seen that as a medical professional, as a doctor, had you seen that patient in person? So we absolutely should keep them, but you're, you're touching on a very critical point, which is that we have to know when to treat virtually and when to treat in person. So it's really important that we make sure that when we're providing virtual health care, we can identify those concerns that we know we can't accurately diagnose virtually. 
and that we can refer those to in-person care. So there are certainly a number of conditions where we have to put a hand on your belly or we have to put a stethoscope to your lungs. And, and there are a number of other physical examination maneuvers that we just can't do through a video screen. So those things should actually be happening in person. And I'll go back to that Kaiser Permanente example. I would say the right number is about 50% of medical visits are for follow-up of existing conditions that you've already diagnosed or very simple things to diagnose through a visual exam by video. But a full 50% of things out there are things that we really do need to go in person for. So I, I think the answer is we shouldn't stop it. I mean, it would be kind of like me telling you that once you've experienced online banking that you should no longer be able to do it and you should always have to go to the teller to, to get your routine banking matters taken care of. I don't think anybody would be accepting of that once they'd experienced the convenience of online banking. And I think it's the same case in healthcare where physicians and patients who've experienced the convenience of getting a prescription renewal online or treating simple concerns like a UTI online, they will not be willing to go back to in-person care for these simple issues. But it is critical that we pair the virtual care with proper in-person care to make sure that issues aren't missed. And another question I've got, to Brett, is I hear you when you say that this is reducing ER wait times, and that was kind of the impetus for you to get involved in a virtual uh, health care, and that uh, you know people are not sitting around for six, seven, eight hours in an ER, but are they sitting around at home for six, seven, uh, eight hours, which you know might be a little more uh, comfortable and, and better for uh, all involved, but with the switch to virtual health care, are patients being seen quicker or more patients being seen uh, or more uh, people being provided with health care? It really does depend on the service you're using. I can't comment on wait times for other virtual care services other than the one that we operate, but I can comment that on our virtual healthcare service uh, called Maple, which operates across the country and certainly is very busy in Ontario, our average wait time to see a doctor for a general practice type appointment is under five minutes. So from the time you click that you want to speak to a doctor, you're typically in the visit with the doctor in under five minutes. So it is very, very quick access to care. Uh, and, and so one of the benefits of that certainly is that, that you have a healthcare condition where you are really just trying to get quick advice or quick care. You can't afford to take the time out of work or, you know, your child is acting up and you're wondering, is this something that I should go to the emergency room for? Can I afford to watch, to wait? It, can I afford to, to actually wait and watch it for a few minutes before making that decision? You can jump on and speak to a doctor really quickly and get some good advice or some good care uh, in times where you think it might be time sensitive and you don't want to wait eight hours for a virtual appointment or any kind of in-person appointment. Okay, I got less than a minute here, but just finally wanted to ask you, what is the next step or what is the next evolution when it comes to a virtual health care? Right now, it kind of sounds like, you know, what we've all become accustomed to, which are Zoom meetings, but instead of my colleagues, I'm uh, meeting with a uh, doctor. But where is this going in the next little while, do you think? I think we're going to get better and better at peripheral devices that let the doctors examine more of you at home. There are already very effective digital stethoscope devices and devices that can look in your ears and in your nose and in your throat that you can attach to your smartphone. I think those are going to get a lot more cheaper and a lot more common to the point where that 50% number that I quoted is going to go more like 90% where doctors can examine most of your body through a virtual device. And there's only very rare circumstances for very invasive types of examination that you're going to need to go in in person. So that's something that I would look for in the years to come. All right. Really, really interesting stuff. Great information. Brett, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Dr. Brett Belchitz here with us on Global News Radio. We'll step aside. We'll get a break. We get a news update to the top of the hour to two o'clock. And then we're back with hour two here on Global News Radio. Stay with us.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.